Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all. We're back with our weekly talk show, Taking Care of Business. My guests today come from a fairly new industry in Canada, the exempt market securities. My guests are Darwin Zerflow, founder, CEO, and chairman, and Lloyd McDonald, vice president and partner with Pinnacle Wealth Brokers. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, David. Uh, And thank you for being our guests. So before we start um, asking you any personal or professional questions, um, or even industry-related questions, I would like to share with our audience what you can find on Wikipedia under the exempt market securities, which I found very interesting. So I'm going to quote now. Exempt market securities are securities issued in Canada that fall under National Instrument 45-106. They are exempt from prospectus requirements and hence require less disclosure than a prospectus offering. To sell a security in the exempt market, an issuer must ensure that the investor qualifies under a specific exemption contained in the instruments. We can discuss it later or never. (laughs) We'll see how this uh, conversation goes. Uh, But I want to share some of your personal bios uh, with uh, our audience and, and your professional experiences. So I'll start with you, Darwin. Uh, you're holding a diploma in business management and over 20 years experience in financial services such as mutual funds, life insurance, exempt market, mortgages, and even real estate investment. Uh, you hold the designation of Fellow of Canadian Securities Institute, the highest honor in the financial services industry. Lloyd, maybe we should leave. Yeah, it's too, quali- <laughs> too qualified for us. Sounds very qualified, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, You started your career in the banking industry and later became a top Canadian senior financial producer for an insurance company. Uh, You're a pioneer in the exempt market industry, bringing to Western Canada the first sizable exempt market distribution channel known at the time as Alberta Land and Investment Brokers. And later, as more regulations, which we're exempt from apparently, uh, were brought to the market, you formed Pinnacle Wealth Brokers. Uh, and Pinnacle is a founding member of the National Exempt Market Association, and you uh, yourself serve on the board as an active member on the board. A past member. Past member. Okay. Please uh, update your uh, bio on your own website. <laughs> and uh, you're married to Kim and have four kids. That's correct. So far, I'm good? Yeah, all good. <laughs> Our research is working? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's try Lloyd now. Uh, so you, Lloyd, hold a diploma in business marketing and broad ex- and you have broad experience in business development and analysis. Uh, Lloyd's expertise include managing business-to-business relationship, uh, business analysis, marketing and business plan creation, as well as strategic planning and, and execution. Uh, prior to joining to joining Pinnacle, uh, you are a VP of Sales and Business Development for Fast Track Capital, responsible for engaging new businesses, investment opportunities, and performing due diligence uh, responsibilities, as well as ensuring that uh, the selected projects get the right funding. Uh, you also spent 10 years at Ceridian Canada LTD, where you acted as Manager of Strategic Alliance for Canada, US, and the UK. 
As VP of uh, Business Development uh, at Pinnacle, you are responsible for recruiting and training new uh, dealing representatives, as well as making sure that the more seasoned and veterans uh, dealing representatives stay informed on market changes, regulations, new product, etc. And you're also a member of the due diligence team exploring new investment opportunities opportunities, and married happily married to Ayana Daniela. Yeah, that is right. I hope she says the same. I hope for you. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, our show is, is, is not about specific items on the industry. It's more about your success story and how you created the whole thing. But it always starts, who are you? Because I understand you guys are both immigrants to Calgary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Darwin and I, we started Pinnacle Wealth Brokers in Edmonton in 2010. And as luck would have it, we um, worked with and acquired um, businesses here in Calgary. And uh, what Darwin and I recognized quite early on um, is the person who was running our administration for us, uh, we wanted to be closer to that part of the business. And so Darwin came down uh, about four years ago now, and my wife and I came down two years ago. And uh, I think for both of us, for my wife and I anyways, um, Calgary has been a tremendous um, transition. I actually, because of my travel schedule, get to see my family more often back in Edmonton, um, living in Calgary uh, than I ever did in Edmonton. So I've been a wonderful change. And Darwin, how was uh, the family move here? It went very smooth. Uh, We were actually excited to move to Calgary. It's a young, vibrant city, and really, I think it's Canada's uh, capital for entrepreneurism. And uh, so I'm excited to be in Calgary. I hope you won't be kind of uh, going soon to Edmonton and visiting some friends because you may get some, you know, rocks thrown at you. But uh, any of uh, the family members is Calgarian or are they all born in uh, Edmonton? For myself, I just have a cousin in Calgary. No, no, I mean your kids. Oh, they're all born in Edmonton. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So we're all immigrants to this city. Yeah. Um, so uh, you explained why you kind of moved to Calgary just because the business kind yes. of grew in, in Calgary. But before we go to the business, uh, let's talk a little bit about your teenager years. So um, we'll start with you, Lloyd. Yeah. Uh, sports, extracurricular mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. maybe was a good student. Well, um, there's a, a quote from Robert Kiyosaki that says, um, C, A students work for C students and B students work for the government. Um, I, I was a C student, um, but uh, I was very passionate, probably more passionate than I should have been about sports than my studies at that time. Ooh. Um, but uh, different lessons that are learned about teamwork, overcoming adversity, um, pulling together and uh, learning from your mistakes. What, what sports? I, I played um, some rugby, some football, um, but I played a higher level of soccer, so I got to play throughout North America and play a little bit in Europe. And it's called football in Europe. It's called football in Europe for those uh, those who are listening <laughs> overseas this so, morning. So sport was the uh, main extracurriculum after school? It really was, yeah. My parents were very committed. I have an older sister, and they would each grab one of us um, after a quick dinner after school and take us in different directions. So... Um, a very uh, a large debt of gratitude to my parents for being so involved in um, in my upbringing and, and allowing me to have experiences that maybe others didn't have. So since I can't find a lot of football fans in Canada since I immigrated here, I'm crazy about football. Who is your favorite team in Europe? Yeah, um, probably I'd be more a fan of international soccer than club soccer. Um, so uh, I got to the, had the opportunity to go to Portugal and see Euro 2004. And so ever since then, I've been a Portugal fan. <laughs> I see. Darwin, what about you? 
Uh, how was your teenager years? Uh, any kind of extracurriculum, sports, anything interesting? Uh, similar to Lloyd, I uh, enjoyed playing sports with every uh, spare afternoon that I had. <laughs> uh, I did grow up at a young age uh, playing soccer and hockey. Uh, in junior high, my parents uh, told me, okay, if you want to keep playing, you got to pay for it. So I actually made the move to uh, doing uh, refereeing for soccer <laughs> and hockey, and I played a little so bit of So you made money. Yeah, I got very uh, interested in making money as, as a teenager. Uh, uh, in my summer times, we were fortunate enough to uh, spend the time at the cottage, and so I grew up on the water out there and uh, was a competitive water skier and got into uh, barefooting and, and slalom, and uh, that was uh, what I did in the summer times when I wasn't working, but uh, spent a lot of time working after schools and in the summers. Since both of you are from Edmonton, and he played soccer, and you refereed soccer, did you ever referee Lloyd? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not at uh, Lloyd's level. <laughs> he was at a whole different level. I see. Um, uh, question, a general question I usually ask every entrepreneur that sits here. Um, is there any entrepreneurship in your family? Parents, siblings? Darwin, what? No, I come from a family of uh, government workers and, uh, you know. The, the B students? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think my parents would have been happy at the earlier days if I could get uh, all my Bs, but uh, uh, I took school more seriously after I got into business school and found something that I really liked. And, and so, so no entrepreneurship in your immediate family? No. What about you, Lloyd? Yeah, my father was a serial entrepreneur. He built um, a thriving food distribution company in Edmonton. And uh, he, he was effectively the CEO, and my mother um, took care of the administration. So almost every day um, around our kitchen table, it was almost like a boardroom mm -hmm. um, conversation. Um, over time, my older sister went to work in the business. And so um, from the time I would have been maybe six years old, I did grow up in an entrepreneurial environment where my father uh, strongly encouraged going out and, and um, finding your own way. Um, but even when I was an employee, um, going through school, working at places like Safeway, for example, uh, making some money going through school, he wanted me to think like an entrepreneur. Um, so if there was things laying around, if it was your business, what would you do? And so it was a, a very strong um, mm -hmm. viewpoint that he carried um, as the head of our family and, and a serial entrepreneur. Um, moving forward, your diplomas, where did you guys get those? Uh, we both went to Nate, the Northern Alberta mm -hmm. School of Technology, and uh, I hear from uh, meeting with some of the senior execs at Nate that it's uh, the largest uh, uh, business school now in Western Canada as far as putting people through their business program. Okay, and you, and and uh, what was you know? Let's start with you, Lloyd. Now, mm -hmm. so you come out with your uh, first with your degree, and. So what's the first job you got? Yeah. Um, what was your first experience? I, I was very fortunate, David, in that um, I was one of the few people I, I graduated um, as Alberta was just coming out of the recession in the 1990s. And I got the dream job for my mother, um, a B student job. Um, I, my job was to write marketing and business plans as part of Ralph Klein's team, Ralph's team uh, with the Alberta government. And it was a, a great exposure to business. Um, however, I knew that maybe being a government employee wasn't for me when after two or three weeks of work, I could hear people complaining that uh, they weren't happy with the changes in the direction the government was going. They felt threatened, but they only had, say, six years or eight years or 10 years to retirement, and uh, they weren't going to allow anyone to push them out. I see. And that was a, a huge eye-opener for me as somebody who had maybe uh, 30 or 40 years in front of them 
that uh, people could be so unhappy and yet want to stick it out for um, part of a decade. Darwin, what was your experience, first experience? You get your diploma, you're out of school, and then what? I ended up in the uh, banking sector uh, straight out of school and uh, got my mutual funds license and uh, took as many financial planning and investment courses as I could uh, as I was working for the banks. And, and that interest in that kind of uh, segment started during school or only after you got into the banking system? Actually, when I was about 16 years old, I sat around the uh, dining room table when my parents invited their financial planner over and I started investing in mutual funds at that age and uh, just took an interest in them. Uh, from then on and uh, when I finished school I thought I wanted to open up my own business but I realized you need money to do that so I thought I'll go get a job somewhere that I might have some knowledge in and I started with the banks uh, to make some money so I could start my business. I see and um, when was it that uh, you kind of uh, decided that you guys want to move each one of you from a different direction into the private capital markets? Yeah for me David um, I realized uh, quite quickly, I took a real estate investment course and purchased um, condominiums when I was 21 years old. And uh, those projects did quite well and I was investing in um, mutual funds at the time. But um, what I realized is that I was making more money on my real estate portfolio than I was in traditional forms of investing. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't like being a property manager. So I sold those properties and I became a property investor um, with people who um, formed a group called the Real Estate Investment Network here in Canada. And that was how I, I backed into um, doing private market type investing. I see. Darwin, what was your aura? Where did you see the light? Well, it took me uh, about seven or eight years of selling uh, public investments and mutual funds, uh, even working independently to sell mutual funds before I realized it didn't really matter how much I know. And uh, I can't predict what's going to happen tomorrow in the public markets. And similar to Lloyd, I was investing in real estate. And uh, so I learned some hard lessons in the public market and I made up for all of it more <laughs> in, the, in real estate market and in the private sector. And so uh, the last uh, 10 to 12 years for me has been in the private sector. So a question that I didn't prepare, so real estate investment is a good investment? <laughs> In my opinion, it is a, a tremendous investment. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Next. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, we, uh, have, if you have good people such as David behind that investment, it's a, it's a really good investment. Uh, well, I couldn't care. <laughs> um, did you have any um, like a mentor or um, an influence from, from a friend or a colleague to move into the private capital or it was just self kind of exploring that kind of uh, direction. Darwin, why when do we start with you? Yeah, I, I didn't have a mentor. I, I think I learned uh, the hard way and uh, trial and error and uh, did a lot of reading and just studied the market and uh, learned from doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, for me, um, my mentors came from the Real Estate Investment Network, that um, networking group. I purchased my first properties at 21 and I didn't know a lot about investing before or property management or real estate in general before getting into it. And so I invested in joining uh, an agency where there was like-minded professionals and people who had um, built tremendous wealth through real estate. And those people were um, extremely generous in, in showing me the ropes and explaining some of the trials and tribulations of building your own um, wealth through uh, private investing. So when did you guys meet? When did you guys meet? How? Well, um, 
we can probably tell the two sides of the same story. Um, <laughs> we were connected by a mutual friend who um, had property uh, that uh, she was marketing in Honduras. And Darwin owns property himself in Honduras. And so um, between my background and Darwin's background, we had um, been in similar spaces, but never formally introduced. And so just when all of the time for regulation was changing in Alberta and across Canada in 2010, um, that introduction was made. And um, for the first time, um, I'd even read articles about Darwin um, because we'd been in the same city, um, but we'd never connected until that point in time. And, and since then, you live happily after? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have to take our first commercial break. Um, to our uh, audience, uh, make sure to open a new tab and check Pinnacle Wealth Brokers uh, website, www.pinnaclewealth.ca. Check the investment uh, the Invest With Us page where you can find information on all offering currently being promoted by Pinnacle's uh, dealing representatives. And we will be back immediately following the commercial. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. If you're considering adoption, there are a lot of questions that you may have which need to be answered by families that have adopted, by the adoptees themselves, and by professionals. Tune in to Adoption Unscripted with your host, Micah Johnson. We bring you many of the answers you're looking for. There are so many resources and advocates in the field of adoption. It's a life-changing experience across the board. We hope you'll tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Uh, We are back with our guests, Darvin and Lloyd uh, partners at Pinnacle Wealth Brokers. 
Um, and uh, we just, uh, before we went to a commercial, we just found out how you guys met. And we know that uh, since then, since 2010, you live, live happily ever after. Seven years, I think that's where the people get divorced or not. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we'll get by year end and uh, to, to our Banff retreat in April that you're still together. So uh, moving forward, you started the company by yourself or with partners, Darwin? Well, I started Alberta Land and Investment Brokers uh, by myself, and that's something that I ran until I realized the regulations were changing and there was new uh, rules, as you stated earlier in 2010. And that's when I met Lloyd, who was uh, building a similar kind of company at one of my competitors, and we realized that our vision was aligned. And so uh, Lloyd became a first uh, shareholder to join at Pinnacle Wealth Brokers. And so that was seven years ago. I see. And um, how does it work? between the two of you in terms of dividing responsibilities and making decisions. And today I understand you have a bigger executive team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we started out where uh, everybody does everything. And uh, <laughs> there were some pretty busy days there uh, going through uh, making new policies and procedures and keeping the sales team happy and working with our different issuers that we're raising capital for. And we really just had to roll up sleeves and do what need done as it needed done. And as time went on, we were able to bring on more and more uh, special, specialized, qualified staff into each area and build <laughs> real departments. And I think today we're a very different firm than we were just a few years ago. Any partners that uh, were bought out along the way or? Sure, yeah, There's, they're always changing. Uh, we believe that we'd like the executive and the senior people with Pinnacle to be shareholders and to have skin in the game. And as we have grown, we've, uh, we've acquired uh, another exempt market dealer. And with that came along their shareholders. Uh, we did a merger and, and uh, gave them shares. And uh, as, as they moved on in their careers, we bought those uh, shareholders back out. And as uh, new people have joined us, new executives have joined us, we've uh, issued new shares out to those ones. So, uh, Lloyd, I have a question for you. Uh, in your bio, when we mentioned it, uh, we talked about uh, your experience in strategic planning, strategic execution. And Darwin just said that uh, when you guys met and had some you know, conversations or coffee, beer, whatever, um, you found that you have kind of, you, you, you're thinking alike or, yes. or the way you see the industry moving forward with your new regulations it kind of is similar. So. As a strategic planner, did you have mission, vision, purpose when you started Pinnacle, or it was just as David said, you know, everybody was doing everything? Yeah, I, I think it was very much everybody doing everything. Um, Darwin and I, although we come from similar backgrounds and, and um, similar experiences, and we're both uh, impatient people, we like to build very quickly. Um, my partner Darwin is a very strong um, on a strategic vision or recognizing opportunity. And perhaps my skills and abilities complement Darwin's in that um, I've been trained to look at um, processes and ways in which you can execute on those types of things and resources that we can pull into it. And so um, together, Darwin and I, along with the executive team that we've built, um, we seem to work very well together um, sharing um, those responsibilities. So things have really grown and evolved over time. But did you have mission, vision, purpose on the wall that you kind of created, or do you still do you have them? Did you ever yeah, do that? We, we do, David. Um, <laughs> we went through a strategic exercise. We okay. actually brought in a third party um, because what we recognized is when? that um, that was very early on, maybe 2011. A year in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so this gentleman, he brought us through a workshop um, where we all shared 
um, our vision for the industry and uh, maybe brought forth what some of our own personal values were. And then he facilitated a program where we decided what the values of our business would be. Mm -hmm. Um, In our office in Calgary, if anybody were to come to uh, our office to meet with us, um, you would see uh, Pinnacle Wealth Brokers where we have our mission, and that's to continually seek unique opportunities to increase wealth, as well as a vision board, uh, vision cloud of uh, all of the key values that um, we hold um, dear to us as part of the business. Have you changed uh, some of them since uh, in Spanish, uh, the company kind of was formed and since you had this third party gentleman or lady come to do that or the same as you had six years ago? Yeah, they've stayed the same. Uh, we built them in a way that they were uh, never changing values and a never changing mission where uh, we're always striving to seek unique opportunities to create wealth and that we're never, we're never, job's never done, we've never ended. Um, we have a lot of different core values that we have, but we, we slated three core values that would never change, and that's respect, integrity, and commitment. And those are core values that will never change and that we want everybody that works for Pinnacle to show that in their daily lives. So we, we kind of have kind of a similar organization, meaning that we have employees that work for us, but we also have the, the, the guys that are, you know, independent, right? Mm-hmm. Do they know the... Uh, and you, you guys are the biggest or one of the biggest uh, exempt market dealers in Canada. And you are spread from one side of the ocean, from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. Um, does anyone or everyone that works for Pinnacle, whether as a licensee or as an employee, knows, knows those uh, mission, vision, and, state, and purpose statements? Yeah. Um, that's something that we're always trying to work on, David. Um, we believe that corporate culture is something that has to be created and evolves over time. And so working with uh, people right across uh, um, the, the country nationally and with our issuer partners, and our issuers are the products that we represent, uh, we continually try and reinforce those things. Um, but uh, our issuer partners are an extension of that. And so what we try and do is reinforce our message Um, through marketing, when we go to conferences. uh, We're trying to find ways in which we can um, build team. Uh, We have uh, open conversations about ethics, responsibility, integrity Mm -hmm. um, that we need to conduct ourselves with because um, we recognize that uh, we're in a very trusted position working with other people's money. Um, Darwin, seven years ago, you sit there, you realize that the industry is changing. Lloyd, you're sitting at another company realizing that the the industry is changing. Um, You both think about, you think about starting a new company. You already had one. You're still kind of thinking what what to do next. Did you prepare a business plan? Did you have a business plan? Uh, or is just you know a natural progression from the previous company? Yeah, no, we we actually had to submit a business plan to the Securities Commission in order to obtain our registration, and so that was something that we definitely put a lot of thought into um, the year prior to uh, leading up to the registration. And so we we have a business plan. It evolves and changes quite quite a bit as the how often evolves. do you guys look at your business plan and update it? Say once a year, we're we're looking at it. Uh, you know, things do change quite often, but uh, we only update the plan. I would say once a year, planning mm-hmm. for the year ahead. And is it a teamwork? Is it how does it work? How do you? What's the process you go to update because of all the changes? Whether it's the economy changes, the regulation change, 
and changes that we don't we can foresee. So how do you, how do you kind of create your annual business plan? <laughs> we take uh, a day around the time of our annual general meeting, and we look at the financial statements, we review them, and then after we get together with all our executives, and we just do some brainstorming and, and plan for the year ahead. Uh, a lot happens in one year, and so we're not planning uh, in our business plan for uh, five and ten years most of the time. It's, mm -hmm. it's really focused on the next one to three years. Do you also uh, make it a quarterly kind of uh, follow-up, or is there a follow-up during the year, or just once a year, and that's it? Like a lot of companies, we do have formal board meetings on a quarterly basis, and in those board meetings, we we're basically are doing business planning. Whether you think about it as business planning or not, that's, that's what the board members are doing, is setting a strategic direction for the firm and uh, making sure the executives and the staff are all aligned in what direction the company is going. So what are the strategic decisions you made this year? Our annual general meeting's coming up in the next uh, month, and so uh, we're, we're kind next of a year week. away, because June 30th is our year end, and we just finished our, uh, our financial statements, so we use uh, KPMG as our auditor, and so uh, we're just signing off on those next week. So uh, yeah, we have some plans. It, it includes diversifying a little bit about what we do. We're getting into the insurance business, and so we do have plans that uh, include uh, building our distribution network in the life insurance world, as well as uh, strengthening our corporate finance uh, team. Uh, we have a very uh, heavy compliance department. We're a very strong compliance department, and so we've made a conscious decision that this next year, we're gonna work on, on more, um, more research analysts and more business development people that actually help us grow the business now. Mm -hmm. um, so Lloyd, where do you see Pinnacle in three to five years? Well, in three to five years, things uh, could change very rapidly. No um, doubt. With, with the launch of our insurance division, David, um, we view that as being uh, an opportunity for us to grow into a market that hasn't seen growth. Um, what Darren and I are doing is uh, recognizing that we're starting up a new division of, uh, of our company. Um, we're making our founding people who join us um, essentially partners in the business. And as a result, um, we'd like to create a community within our organization um, that can see growth within um, our previous business, um, the wealth management side of, of, of our operation. Um, in addition, um, we are also a portfolio manager and investment fund manager, mm -hmm. and we see more opportunities working with that component of our business uh, for future growth, utilizing the uh, strong people who we're recruiting in the corporate finance part of our company. Um, question for you, Darwin. In, in, in Lloyd's bio, it's very specific what he's responsible for. And you're the CEO and chairman. So what, what's your, what do you see as the most important Role, in your role, what is the most important one item that you think is the most important for you in your eyes for the organization? For me, it's, it's keeping all of our departments and all of our staff aligned with heading in the right direction because it's easy to get caught in the whirlwind and to get lose your focus and all the staff need to be focused on the mission of the company. And I think that's the, that's the biggest challenge. Um, if we're talking about challenge, uh, let's... Uh, Move back to Lloyd for a second, and, and in your in your job description, it says recruiting, yes, and it says training. Uh, 
Now, you work in an industry that uh, you have to recruit, I'm, and I'm not talking about the salaried employees, uh, I'm talking about the uh, independent brokers, uh, yes. what in, in your industry is called dealing representatives. So how do you recruit those guys? Um, they have other opportunities out there. Okay, that's right. Um, I think a key thing to our growth, David, is we hold ourselves out as a values-based organization. And so when we're speaking to um, people and we understand that they have options, um, we think that it's very important that we share um, who we are and the value that we can add to, uh, to the individual who's joining us to make sure that their brand is a fit for our brand. Um, we recognize that um, they have many, many options, but what you'll find is that if you um, have a room full of people from Pinnacle, um, they're very like-minded individuals. And as a result of that, um, within communities right across Canada, when they're out um, working with other industry professionals, um, Pinnacle Wealth Brokers and people who work with us are viewed as just being a little bit different. And we really believe that it's a, as a result of, of our representatives aligning with our brand, and it's how we hold ourselves out in the industry. And what you find is that, to some extent, people will self-select. Mm -hmm. If they don't connect with our brand and our values, um, they go someplace else, and we're okay with that. Um, because having somebody on the team um, that maybe doesn't share those values can actually limit our growth in key strategic markets. Okay, so... As a result, or I want to kind of uh, elaborate a little bit about the uh, dealing representatives and the uh, the independent people. Okay, you got them into the room, and they put the pinnacle uh, pinnacle logo on their business card. Yeah, retaining is a big issue because, like you, there are others that approach your guys like you approach other guys. So how you guys maintain retain? the brokers or the dealing representatives after they joined Pinnacle. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's tougher than recruiting. Yeah. Uh, first of all, we don't try to recruit within um, the private capital market industry and within the exempt market. Uh, what we try and do is to bring people who already have a significant amount of experience in, in the financial services industry, whether it be mutual fund um, industry individuals or insurance licensed people, uh, people who have some background in a book of business. Um, then what we show them is a different way in which they can supplement their income and uh, present themselves as being unique in the marketplace. Um, the challenge that uh, a lot of insurance licensed individuals have, for example, is that there's not, uh, they don't see a lot of differentiation between what they can provide and what others can provide. Um, aligning with a brand like Pinnacle is something that they can hold out in the marketplace that makes them different. And uh, we recognize that um, people, our competitors, um, will target our people and try recruiting for us from us. What we attempt to do is to make sure that uh, if you're working with Pinnacle, that your interests are aligned with ours. And so we do things like uh, profit sharing with, uh, with our dealing representatives across the country in hopes that um, when uh, and you and I talked about this prior to starting um, our interview this morning, um, and making sure that um, you have people who are aligned with you and that they understand um, the reason why uh, they should stay with your organization. Um, so uh, we have to take our second commercial break. Um, and uh, when you visit uh, Pinnacle's website, www.pinnaclewealth.ca, connect with them on LinkedIn, like them on Facebook, and follow them on Twitter and YouTube. 
take time to review their article page. Uh, a lot of valuable information you can find there. And we will be back here following the commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Fire can destroy your home, your business, and your life in seconds. On Speaking of Fire, with co-hosts Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, we investigate fire, the origin and causes, and provide important information to prevent accidental fires and save your life, loved ones, and your property. We speak to experts about technology, investigative research, and insurance issues with regard to fire. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D I V I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back with our guests, uh, Darwin and Lloyd, uh, partners, uh, co-owners, executive team, or part of the executive team of Pinnacle Wealth Brokers. Darwin, you wanted to add to Lloyd's answer on what do you guys do to retain the dealing representatives? Mm -hmm. Much like your business, David, we have uh, entrepreneurial uh, representatives that work for us and they choose where they place their hat and what logo they carry on their card. And so... Uh, we have to listen to the feedback that we're getting for our reps, and they are never uh, shy to offer <laughs> feedback to us. So and it is like our industry. <laughs> we, we, yes, we get lots and lots of ideas, and uh, then our job is to take those ideas and, and see what is reasonable, what's feasible, what can we actually roll out and implement uh, for our dealing representatives. And so we have uh, individual meetings, and we have some organized meetings with our representatives, and we take their feedback very seriously, and uh, we're trying to build a platform that is attractive to dealing representatives. So what they're asking for is always good feedback for us because it helps us grow our business and attract more people. Well, I want to ask you the next question, which is, so if you don't agree with what they say, what is their response? I'll leave it to our imagination, everybody's imagination. Yeah. But I have a question for both of you, which is, it's, it's the same question, but it's a little bit different. And the reason it's different because you're in a referee and you're in the athlete. Okay. So what did you bring or what are you bringing with you 
from being a professional athlete you and being a referee you. Are you the referee in, in the executive meetings? Are you the wild card? It's <laughs> an interesting question. Um, I would say what uh, athletics taught, taught me was to be competitive. And um, when you have a competitive fire in you, and although Darwin was the, the referee, he's also a very competitive individual, um, it's something that you carry with you. And um, you would know this as a business owner also, David. Um, it's not all milk and honey every day. Sometimes you, you come across challenges. And it's really? that, Nobody uh, told me. <laughs> and and I, I believe it's that competitive fire that's in you that allows you to fight through the adversity. So, so you bring that to competitive, and, and you as the ref, you have to control those competitive guys. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> fairness is important to, to me in the workplace and to making sure that we're fair with all of our staff and make sure everybody gets along. So I think referee might be a fair analogy. <laughs> I see, because I've never seen an athlete that committed a foul. Yeah. Soccer. <laughs> Especially if you watch Italian soccer, they all, <laughs> none of them has ever committed a foul, right? Um, I want to chat to kind of touch about the industry um, because it's a unique industry. And, and to some extent, I, I think it's a, it's a almost a best kept secret and not a lot of people are aware of the uh, opportunities that exempt market brings. Um, and there are new regulations that you guys mentioned, uh, guys mentioned started in 2010 and they are kind of getting more and more and more of those. And when I read the Wikipedia, both of you were like, really? <laughs> the look on your face was, really? Um, so with the new regulation coming to the industry, how do you view them, um, the, the growing amount of regulation? Is it good or bad? Is it a necessity or just another annoying layer and an and, and extra expense? Yeah, I think it's a combination of uh, many different things. Uh, I think there's a lot of good things that have come from the regulation. There's a, there's more reporting required from the issuer. Some of that seems to be a little bit too burdensome and too expensive uh, for smaller businesses. We're trying to help small businesses in their growth phase uh, grow. And uh, some of it is is uh, just really good for uh, what, what we're doing. Better disclosure has come from these regulations. So investors understand what the risks are better than they did before regulation. And uh, there's just much more disclosure. And we're able to work with our issuers and understand what direction their company is going because of the kind of reporting we're getting now. So I, I'm overall a fan of the regulation changes that we've had. I'd like to direct future regulation changes in a certain direction that would be good for investors and ultimately help us grow. Um, and Lloyd, a question for you. you in, in your bio, I saw that uh, you were also part of the due diligence uh, committee. So being the middleman, you're uh, the exam market dealer or the dealing representative are basically the, build, the, the middleman between uh, the, the um, investor and the manager, the fund managers and, and, and the owners of the fund. So um, what is the most important duties and roles you see the exam market dealers have to do in today's world? Yeah, I, I view it as being twofold, David. Um, the first is um, we are the gatekeeper for um, many of the small and mid-sized enterprises who'd like to raise money in this space. Um, we're the gatekeeper between them and the ultimate investors. And so what Darwin and I have built is a group of um, legal people and corporate finance people who assist us in screening the opportunities and we compare those opportunities versus other companies that we've worked with in the past in hopes that 
um, we're screening the very best opportunities for our investors to consider to see if they're suitable for their portfolio. Um, I believe the second thing that we do um, within the industry is we give um, our our ladies and gentlemen who work with us um, a, a backbone of um, compliance that they can work with to make sure that they're acting in the best interests of their clients, um, helping them with training to determine what would be suitable. And so I think you're, that you're right that we're the middleman, um, but our role is um, helping to decide on what product is the best product that we see in the industry and then seeing and, and educating on what's a fit for the individual investor. You use the word client. Yes. Who is the client, the investor or the fund manager? Well, I think they're all clients. Okay. Um, it, it the, the but they have two different interests or they have the same interest and you just have to make sure that you, you, know, you really, align them? Yeah, really where the magic is and what, is where those interests are aligned. And that's part of what we do at Pinnacle Wealth Brokers is look at what are the interests of um, the people who are bringing us the investment opportunity. We know that they need the capital to allow their, their business to grow. Um, but if the interest of that business are aligned with the interest of the investor, then we have a, a strong investment going forward. Um, where one side is uh, winning and the other is losing, um, that's not a, that's not a, a strong investment. Um, because either the business isn't going to be sustainable or the investor can be taken advantage of. Um, Darwin, you are a past uh, member of the board of NEMA, the National Exempt Market Association. How do you see this industry growing and becoming more um, available to every person that has the means or want to invest in? Because I had no clue about this industry before I met you guys. Yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a very young industry and most Canadians don't even know it's an option to put private investments in your RRSPs or your pension money. And so I think the associations like the National Exempt Market Association and there's another one, Private Capital Markets Association, in which our, our uh, chief compliance officer and legal counsel has been the past chairman of, um, they create awareness in the marketplace. And through that uh, awareness that we're creating, People now are more aware of their options, and we're working with di different industry participants to uh, bring more players come to the marketplace. I think it will just happen as a natural evolution of other financial firms realizing that they have to diversify their options better and come into the exempt marketplace. And we've seen a lot of new entrants uh, come into the market in the last few years. Um, as I mentioned, I'll touch on the industry just a little bit, so I want to go back now to your success story with Pinnacle. Um, how do you measure your success with Pinnacle? Is it just the gross revenue and the uh, you know net revenue, or you have any other measurements that you use to see whether you're on track, whether you're successful, um, and, and what you have to do? There's a there's a number of different ways. Obviously, uh, we feel good and rewarded when our investors do well. We have positive exits. We celebrate those and put them in our newsletters and talk about what has worked well. Uh, when our revenues go up, that's that's a key uh, uh, measurement for our sales as shareholders and other shareholders of the firm. Uh, we also. Uh, we also feel rewarded and when we help businesses. We've uh, raised about a billion dollars of uh, ca private capital and small and medium-sized uh, businesses in Canada. And so we're creating jobs and we're uh, helping uh, fast small businesses grow and, and succeed. How do you measure your success, Lloyd, being uh, responsible on recruiting and retaining and, and, and uh, more important, most important probably is training? Yeah. Um, 
Well, at Pinnacle, we have some very strong teams in markets right across Canada. And so um, I can look at success uh, at a little bit more granular level when I'm looking at, say, key markets like Vancouver. Um, I can look at, is the market growing for us? Um, do we have engagement in those markets? Um, what's the client experience? Is it getting better in, in those places? And so there's, um, there's sales numbers and revenue numbers that we can look at, um, but it's also engagement and growth in communities uh, because we're not a large national organization like the big five banks in Canada. So we're not sponsoring. You're almost there. Uh, we're, we're not sponsoring already <laughs> for the cure yet and things like that. Um, and so we're far more of a grassroots organization and we see our growth happen organically. And part of that is the engagement that we see in um, cities right across Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. Along this route of now seven years, any regrets? Anything you would think you would have done different? Oh, what a yeah, pause yeah, here. Yeah. Like, uh, don't look at each other. Look at me. And, uh. <laughs> I'm not sure if I would have done anything differently, but a word of advice that I would give is uh, make sure that you have um, discussed what you'd like to do with your spouse before you choose to get into becoming an entrepreneur um, because it's it's more work than you expect it's going to be. It's longer hours. Um, there's ups and downs, and you have to make sure that um, your spouse is aligned, and, and you're laughing because uh, I know you celebrated your 33rd anniversary recently, yes, two days ago. and you're a, you're an entrepreneur, and you've probably experienced some similar things. Uh, yeah, Darwin, any regrets? Anything you'll do different? You'd have done different uh, along the way from since Pinnacle. Forget about before. No, there's there's not really anything that sticks out. Uh, there's a lot of things I wish I would have done better. And I uh, wish I would have got some maybe more advice from other entrepreneurs that run investment brokerages. There wasn't any brokerage like ours, but if I would have got to know some of the IROC or mutual fund uh, brokerage owners at the time, I probably could have um, done things a little bit better and, and excelled a little bit faster with uh, good mentorship. This leads me to my next question. In um, our program, our Taking Care of Business, uh, we interview entrepreneurs and part of it is you know, giving advice to someone who is listening and wants to uh, wants to start his or her own business. So, what is the advice you now? You said you didn't get the advice. Now that you had your business for so many years, what is the positive advice? The direction you say, if you go this route, there will you want your hurdles will be less. There's no such yes. thing, no hurdle, but you'll have less hurdles starting your own organization. Yeah, well, we certainly had our fair share of hurdles, and what I would. Uh, it, advise someone is to always plan for the worst because you never know what's going to happen next. So keep some cash reserves. Don't spend all your money. Uh, we always keep a large amount of working capital so that if tomorrow doesn't work out as good as we had hoped, that we can get through those challenges and uh, make it through the next one. Uh, so yeah, keep good cash reserves and, and don't plan for everything to be rosy because it's just not going to be. <laughs> Lloyd? Yeah. Um, I read a, a really good book, but it's a boring book called The Opposable Mind. And in that book, they talk about business cycles. And the first business cycle that you do, you're going to make the most mistakes, and it's going to take the longest time to get to where you want to be. And then each time you do it, you understand the systems and processes, the trials and tribulations, and you can do it more quickly. Um, My recommendation for someone who's not yet an entrepreneur is to think like an entrepreneur within your own organization and start learning those business cycles so you can look at and learn from people. Um, and so you're not making the mistakes on your own. And I believe Darwin was correct in that um, we could have minimized some of the mistakes in which we've made uh, and uh, accelerated 
our own business cycle if we would have had the opportunity to um, or the courage to reach out to some people who we viewed as being very successful in the industry and learn from them and allow them to be our mentors. Um, you mentioned earlier that uh, long hours as an entrepreneur, long hours at the office, traveling. What? How do you guys balance? How do you? What do you use to balance yourself? To balance your life, Darwin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, that's a constant challenge. There's uh, doesn't matter if you're on vacation, you still got the laptop open, and uh, you know I feel privileged to be able to open the laptop up in Honduras or uh, you know somewhere somewhere nice at the cottage maybe. But uh, that's just part of life. You have to get used to that and realize that uh, when you're with your kids, you're with your kids, and uh, try and give your mind a break every now and then. But uh, you work double time when you're an entrepreneur. So when you're with your kids, your cell phone is not you with you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I didn't say that. <laughs> I don't think my uh, reps would be too happy if uh, they got voicemail every time. <laughs> Lloyd, how do you balance uh, life? Yeah, um, a few things. Uh, I think it's important to take regular breaks and to schedule them. And so um, my wife and I, um, we would try getting away uh, four times per year. And so we, we work very hard for a period of time. And then we take some time together to reconnect. And it's not like we don't bring our laptop on vacation. However, um, it is that opportunity just to remember that um, things are important beyond the office. Uh, I also find exercise um, helps me in managing um, my stress. It allows me to think more clearly. And so when I'm not traveling, I try getting into the gym before going to the office um, because the long hours in the office um, can eat into uh, the time in which you, you should be spending on yourself. And I think it's important to recognize that if you're not taking care of your own health and well-being, um, you can only uh, keep up a pace for so long. <laughs> uh, well, I'm with you. <laughs> By the way, you can connect with your wife, you know, through texting. You don't have to read <laughs> <laughs> um, Gentlemen, we reached the end of today's episode of Taking Care of Business. Uh, I want to thank you both, uh, Darwin Zerflow, CEO and Chairman, and Lloyd McDonald, Vice President of Business Development with Pinnacle Wealth Brokers for shedding light on a growing industry and growing pains that Pinnacle uh, Wealth Brokers as well as other exempt market dealers and investors are going through. Um, next week, we'll be back with a new guest sharing with us uh, the road to success as an entrepreneur. A big thank you to our listeners for being with us. I would love to hear your feedback as well as guest suggestions. Email me at dvwallach at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook, and connect with me on LinkedIn. We'll meet you here at www.voiceamerica.com variety next Tuesday, September 19th, with a new guest and new stories, 10 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Mountain, and 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.